Welcome back, Coffee and Combo listeners. It has been a while, but it is your host, Liz Bullard. And this is my podcast where I talk about activism, politics, self-care with those that are boots on the ground doing the work, those that are passionate about this topic, just those who are just really great at having good conversation. And I'm so excited to have um, Abby. She is a podcaster and her podcast is Political Psych with Abby. And if you haven't checked out her YouTube channel, what are you doing? (laughs) I mean, she is totally informational. It's so fun and witty. And I just cannot wait for y'all to get to know her some more today. So welcome, Abby. Thank you so much for having me. And yeah, it's a YouTube channel. You're not the first person to call it a podcast. (laughs) People keep doing that. I'm not sure why. Um, but thank you so much. I'm so flattered and I'm so happy to be back. Yay. Fantastic. And so please tell folks, you know, a little bit more about, you know, political psych with Abby and your YouTube channel. Uh, what kind of stuff do you, that, what kind of stuff do you have going on over there? Yeah. So my YouTube channel is about political psychology. That's the psychology of politics. Um, And basically the goal is being able to give what useful information there is from science to people who can apply it in their lives and in their political actions, Mm -hmm. um, sort of democratizing the knowledge of the subject. Mm -hmm. Um, But I also do a lot of videos that are just a bit more fun, like the one that I put out fairly recently as of this recording is about the political psychology of 1776, the musical. Um, But a lot of my videos are a bit more serious. I did one on the psychology of solidarity and I did one on um, moral foundations theory, which is a really interesting concept within um, political psychology and moral psychology. Um, I did one recently about some elements of the psychology of the abortion debate. And the one I'm working on right now is about uh, climate anxiety and especially how that intersects with climate activism. And I can't wait to chat with you about this because in preparing for the episode, I was seeing how it's becoming more of um, a concern for folks. It's driving folks to therapy. It's coming up more in conversations, even like for my own self, you know, me and my friends are talking more about, you know, how summer is different than it used to be, how, you know, all these different disasters and things that are going on. It's just more present in our conversations, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, It is on the rise, seemingly. It's hard to tell, though, because sort of the criteria for what constitutes climate anxiety is still a little bit variable, depending on who's defining it. And also, Mm -hmm. I want to emphasize that it's not typically like a clinical diagnosis. Mm -hmm. Right? It's, It's more of a feeling, and it can be like a difficult feeling to deal with. And I absolutely don't want to discourage anyone from seeking therapy for this or any other reason. Um, And also I'll put in a quick disclaimer here. I am trained in social psychology. I am not a therapist or mental health professional. Um, So take that into consideration when listening to me on things. Um, And then, um, but having some level of distress about it is increasingly common and quite common, especially among young people. Um, but having so much stress about it that you sort of can't function in your day-to-day life, that is still fairly uncommon. 
Okay. So, okay. Tell us a little bit more about, you know, for context for people. So when we're talking about climate anxiety, what are, you know, what does that, you know, kind of make up? What are the components of that? Um, so there are a number of different definitions, but usually there's some component of worrying a lot about the climate, um, being stressed about what's going to happen in the future, what the future is going to be like. There can be elements about being stressed about your own impact and your own life, mm. um, but also sort of the more existential issues. And then some people looking at the issue also include whether or not these worries are hampering your living of your life, like whether you're unable to focus on your work or your social life because you're so worried about climate change. Right. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. So it can, it, it seems like there's a spectrum from just Absolutely, kind of, yeah. you know, considering how you, your impact on the environment to it really kind of, again, like you mentioned, stopping you from interacting because you are so concerned with it. Yeah, exactly. It's definitely something that's a spectrum. I think anxiety is a spectrum a lot of the time because yeah. one thing that I've encountered a lot in the stuff I've been reading about climate anxiety is that anxiety in general isn't always a bad thing, right? Like it's mm -hmm, adaptive. Right. There's a reason it exists evolutionarily, right? Yeah. Um, it motivates us to action. It dictates our responses to danger, all that kind of thing. But if someone has too much anxiety or an anxiety disorder, that's, you know, when they have more anxiety than is appropriate for the situation, more anxiety than is helpful. Um, and an amount of anxiety that is, you know, hampering their ability to live their life the way they want to live their life. That's, that's really where it starts to be like a really serious concern rather than just sort of part of the human experience. Mm -hmm. mm, maybe it might sound like a silly question, but do you think that some activists have kind of used this kind of climate anxiety to fuel their work, you know? Oh, that's not a silly question at all. And there's actually a lot of literature on this. Um, that's going to be a big, uh, big focus of the video. There's a lot of indications that um, climate anxiety is higher among climate activists, but that the anxiety doesn't seem caused by the activism. In a mm. lot of cases, it's sort of the other way around. Like being, in, being an activist can be anxiety producing, and I don't want to downplay that that much, but there is a lot of indication that essentially a healthy and adaptive response to climate anxiety is activism. And yeah. that, that does actually really help people, especially in like a community context. Mm -hmm. um, because a lot of the time, the worst experience of anxiety is feeling like you're alone in what you're right. worrying about. Like no one else is doing anything about the issue and also feeling like you can't do anything that is what tends to lead to really bad like despair and feeling like that's a lot of the time what makes climate anxiety worse is feeling like you can't do anything and feeling like you're alone in it so right. climate anxiety is often prompting people towards climate action and what's good is that there's indications that climate action sort of reduces a lot of the worst effects of climate anxiety because it gives you that sense of community. And also this is really important, um, a sort of sense of hope and efficacy. Um, and also what was I going to say? Having that, it sort of goes both ways though, because having that sense of hope mm -hmm. um, 
prompts people to engage in more climate activism. There's one article I read, which is really interesting about how um, basically having hope for the climate and having anxiety about the climate both prompt people towards activism. But if someone has both, that prompts them like even more strongly than those two would together. And there's fancy statistical terms for that, but I don't want to go into it. (laughs) (laughs) No worries. But that, that, that's very interesting. Um, And I, I liked how you talked about that community context because anxiety can feel isolating and, um, it can just make you feel alone when you're just kind of like thinking, I can't do anything to change this. I think, you know, um, we see all these different things happening and it's almost like it's happening to us. And it's like, how, what can I do? This thing is so big. So that's really hopeful in hearing that, that push, right. That push to activism actually is making people feel empowered and it is actually having change over time. Yeah, definitely. And I also think that this is one of the reasons why it's important for activists, especially in the climate space to talk about our victories, Mm -hmm. right? The victories that there have been have not been enough, but they haven't been insignificant. And I think that there is a real risk to downplaying them because it makes people feel like they don't have any power and they can't make a difference. Um, But like I had this experience, um, I think it was, it was a month or two after the Canadian wildfires were really, really bad. And like there was terrible smoke in Chicago where I live and I have asthma. So I felt it really, really badly. Um, and I was feeling sort of bad about climate stuff in general and environmental stuff in general. And I went to the aquarium in Boston where I'm from. Yeah. And they were showing us the, you know, little show with all the like adorable seals and stuff. <laughs> um, and as part of that show, they were talking about um, how Massachusetts Bay used to just be completely disgusting. Right. Really? Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, but, and, and a lot of the areas that seals were living in were really badly polluted, but there was shifts in legislation, right. That made mm-hmm. it, that, that protect, protected a lot of those species. And a lot of those species are making a comeback now. Um, and I really, really liked that messaging, especially because, um, there's a lot of the time, like even I'm actually thinking of a different marine mammal show. I went to at a different aquarium years ago, which was very much like, if you care about this, use reusable toothbrushes. And it's like, yeah, that's, that's good too. But like, we do need the big systemic changes. And yeah. it was really refreshing to hear them talk about, oh, here's this big systemic change that happened. And look at this massive difference it made. Right. Right. And yeah, that's just in the context of marine mammal species. But it, it's, a, it's a, you know, it's a really good indicator. Right. Absolutely. Um, Yeah. And there are a lot of places, right, that used to have dirtier water and the water is cleaner now or used to have worse air quality and the air quality is improved now. Right. Um, Yeah. Yeah. And there's a lot more electric cars than there used to be and that kind of thing. Right. So Mm -hmm. that's not it's not enough. Right. That's why Mm -hmm. you can't. That's why hope independent of anxiety can be a problem because it means that people don't feel the urgency of action, right? Mm-hmm. But I think it is really important to keep that hope up, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and I, I like how you talked about like, seeing the progress is important, you know, highlighting those victories. Because I think back to, we had the the first Republican debate not too long ago. And, oh God, uh, that was awful. <laughs> so you already know where I'm going. So they asked like, 
raise your hand if you think climate change is an issue. And, you know, the lack of accountability or acceptance can be very disheartening. Seeing people just discount how important climate change is. It's just like, you don't see this. You don't see these things happening. You don't see the impact to whether it is our our ocean life, our our animals or things like that. And so I think it's so important to highlight the opposite where people are saying, yeah, we do see this as an issue and this is what we're doing. This is the change. And there's so much more we could be doing, but this is what we can do. And this is where you can participate. And this is where you can mobilize and, and, you know, get activated. And so so yeah, I I really think that I, I would love to know more or know where to find out more about the changes that are happening. Yeah, I really I would love that, too. I haven't really found like where to find like a concentration mm-hmm. of positive climate news stories. Mm-hmm. Um, if anyone knows about that, I'd love to know. But like Please. that is absolutely something that should exist. Mm-hmm. Uh, if anyone listening to this wants to start a website for that, that would be awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, but, um, and especially framing those stories in terms of this is what's already happened. That's good. Here's how we can do more. And I think that there are some organizations that are already doing a pretty good job with that. Like there's an organization here in Chicago I'm affiliated with called 350 Chicago. And we're currently working on getting the state pension funds divested from fossil fuels. Mm. But we've already gotten the city pension fund for Chicago divested from fossil fuels. So like a member of ours was speaking at a climate march yesterday and she brought up like, oh, yeah, so we've gotten the city divested from fossil fuels. And here's the cool, awesome impact of that. Now let's move on to the state. And I think that that's a really good way to be able to present things. Right. Mm-hmm, absolutely. Yeah, I was going to circle back to the Republican debate for a second, just something I wanted to get off my chest. So I, I hate the way they talk about the South side of Chicago. Like I live on the South side of Chicago. It's it's just like, it's so ridiculous. It's like, I'm like, there are issues here. It's not hell. Like, (laughs) also like, it's so clearly a racial dog whistle. Like, um, 1000. Yeah, yeah. And like, um, yeah, like, um, it's like, like, I'm a middle class white person who lives on the south side of Chicago, right? And I just know they're not talking about me, right? Mm, um, yes. um <laughs> yeah, um, no, but it's, it's nuts. I mean, it's nuts the way people in general talk about the south side of Chicago. Um, <laughs> I, you know what? When I think about it, yeah, it's always like something bad or negative, but like, okay, tell us what is, we're on this, this train of positivity. What is something that we should know that's a positive about the South side of Chicago? We've got beaches. They're awesome. Really? And and you can walk to them. I didn't know that. Yeah, we have beaches. Um, So that's, that's great in the summer. There's like a ton of festivals here and cultural things. Um, the food's really good. The architecture is excellent. Um, the University of Chicago is here. It's a world, world-class institution. There are a lot of great museums associated with that and not associated with that. Uh, we've got the Museum of Science and Industry, which I think is the most visited science museum in the country. Like, really? Yeah. People are generally pretty nice. Um, 
public transit is not awesome. That's like an actual issue, but they're not talking about that in the Republican, <laughs> Republican deba debate, are they? Or, you know, and it's like, and it's like the actual issues I see in my neighborhood are not the ones that they're addressing, right? Mm. Like they don't actually care about the people here, right? They they just care about using this neighborhood and like this this part of Chicago because it's not just one neighborhood, right? Like it's a huge fraction of the city, right? Mm -hmm. um, as like a like just as scare tactics for their base, right? <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. Um, kind of kind of related, you know. When people get scared, right, like, because again, like you, you see all this either, you know, in the news and, you know, when you have this fear, what can we do about that? Like, what can we do to, to shift to more mobilization and more activism instead yeah. of feeling disempowered? Yeah. I mean, I think it's sort of, it's a little bit different in the context of something like like crime and fear of crime than it is in the difference of climate stuff. Although it's not actually totally separate. This is actually, I was just at this climate march yesterday and this, um, this woman named Kina Collins, who I think is running for Congress was giving a speech and she was talking about how she started off in um, violence prevention, but um, uh, in a lot of communities, because a lot of the communities that are really badly affected by environmental uh, pollution and that kind of thing are also communities that have more crime and poverty Yeah, that, you know, getting people clean water, getting them clean air is a good way to make those places essentially more hospitable to human life and therefore, you know, reduce crime, reduce poverty um, in those I areas. Didn't, I didn't think about that connection not yeah. at all. Yeah. Yeah. No, I don't think it is one that people think about enough. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. But what I was going to say, I think it's important to give people um, a feeling that they have something to do and like a, a targeted thing to do. Right. Mm -hmm. um, I think that that's really important on sort of both both issues. Um, I think it's it's a little bit different with something like crime, because I think you also have to like. Figure out. Uh, I don't know. It's. Sorry, I don't have a great answer for this because I wasn't expecting to figure out how to tie these things together. My um, bad. <laughs> yeah, no, it's all good, but it's a good question. Um, but I was going to say on climate stuff, it's very important to give people, um, you know, a, a target of a thing they can do and especially yeah. a thing they can do together with their community. Um, hmm. And also, unless it is somehow actually their fault, like as an individual, mm -hmm. don't make it their fault. Right. Mm -hmm. um, like you don't win a lot of people by telling them that like you go on fleet three flights a year. This is the problem. This is not the problem. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> right. Yeah. You win people over by saying like, I mean, if you're talking about specifically emissions from air travel, you could be like, Hey, are you interested in improving our interstate train network? You know, um, Let's make it easier for you to go on vacation or to visit your family, not harder, right? Right. Um, yeah. And also, I think one of the big things where it's sort of, actually, I'm not sure how different it is because, well, uh, sorry, I need to actually make the point and then I need to figure out the difference. But what I was going to say is um, with climate stuff, there's this really interesting um, literature emerging about anger and the role anger plays. Yeah. Um, 
and that can be really, really mobilizing, right? Um, and uh, what was I going to say? So yeah, anger, I think, can be really important, right? Um, and I think with environmental stuff, it's less common for anger to be directed in the wrong direction than it is with like crime, right? right. Um, because with the environmental movement, okay, yeah, maybe some people are doing, are directing anger in some ways I wouldn't, but right. like for the most part, you know, they're, they're mad at the right people, right? They're, mm -hmm. they're like, this oil company is horrible. Um, this bank that's investing in the oil company is horrible. This politician who's not doing anything <laughs> is horrible, yep. right? And like, that's a completely justifiable amount of anger and a good anger to have, right? Mm -hmm. um, and I don't even, I don't even think it's unjustifiable to have like the, this celebrity uses a private jet anger. I kind of think that no one should have a private jet. Um, <laughs> um, but with an issue like crime, you risk people getting angry at the wrong targets, right? right? Like, I feel like a lot of the time with something like crime, people get really angry at like homeless people, right? right. Um, who like a lot of the time either aren't criminals or only committing petty crime out of complete desperation. Right. Um, and it is this problem, right? Because a lot of the time, like when news or politicians or whatever talks about crime, they'll show B roll of like homeless people. Right. right. Um, exactly. Yeah. And that's like, that's a real issue. So I think, I think that's a real difference between those two issues. I will say though, that like, in terms of mobilizing people on like anti-crime action, I'm way less acquainted with the literature. So I'm mostly going off like the theory I know about for other issues. Mm -hmm. um, so take what I'm saying there with a grain of salt. <laughs> Absolutely. But it's just, it's getting my brain kind of tinkering. Um, especially yeah. um, you talked about um, a thing that they can do in their environment together and thinking about creating change and thinking about, yeah, this togetherness because it, again, it sometimes it is isolating. Kind of going back to the comment, like always, oh, you know, down, you know, dogging Southside Chicago or those that you know are, are homeless or or whatever select group we want to just dump the problem on. There seems to be like this othering, but I like that framing the solution in more of an us thing. I yeah. think that, that could be really empowering. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I think that the climate movement is almost entirely an us thing. Yeah. I think that the that the only them, right, mm -hmm. are, um, you know, people who are actively promoting climate destruction by their actions mm -hmm. in like a, in a systematic way, right? Mm -hmm. So uh, if you if you have the money to leave and work for an oil company, you are the them, right? Mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. if you are a politician doing anything less than the absolute maximum on climate issues, you are the them kind of right. But the mm -hmm. thing is that there's always an option to join us. Right. Mm. And you kind of already are right. Because everybody's stuck on this planet together. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> You know, and I'm not going to lie, right? If you're really rich, you are better protected from this than everyone else. But mm -hmm. you're not protected from it completely, right? right. Um, <laughs> you know, um, 
Listen, uh, Oprah's uh, when they were having the wildfires, uh, her her orchards were almost uh, scorched. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, but no, it's. I think it's. It is something where it's it's more of a collective issue, right? Mm. Um, you know, and it's interesting also that not that many people have to lose for us to act on climate change. Um, mm, tell us more about that. Well, like, well, so a lot of the stuff I've been doing is around, um, like getting state pension funds and, and things divest and like operating budgets divested from fossil fuel companies. Right. And what's really interesting is those investments aren't even probably good investments at this point. Right. Okay. So like, Doing the more sustainable thing is not necessarily terrible for any government or um, uh, or company's bottom line, mm-hmm. although it might be in the short term. And we do, unfortunately, have an economic system right now that is like super focused on the short term. Right. Um, yeah. And of course, I mean, I have like more issues with the current economic system that don't relate directly into climate change and um there are a lot of people who make very good points about how certain climate action will require a greater overhaul of the economic system and all that kind of thing but there is a lot can happen that can happen that has yet to happen that can happen without uh completely changing everything if that makes sense um yeah and and, and that's helpful cuz i think about like a place where i live where change is slow and you have a lot of folks who value um, it, the old way of doing things, they mm. think that that's where it's economic and, you know, it's just the best thing. And so I, I like just talking about how these small changes or these changes can be more economical. And I think approaching some of these municipalities or even people, people in, you know, people's families that are like the old way is the right way. Well, this way is more economical because, they understand green, they understand money. And so I think that could be a way to reach people. Yeah, no, I think it is um, sometimes a way to reach people. And there's some really interesting stuff about reaching different audiences with climate messaging, Um, like how you can target sort of different moral stances on the climate. um, If you're trying to reach um, conservatives rather than more left-leaning people. positioning things like um, uh, positioning environmental things as sort of a patriotic duty. Um, Mm. But that is, of course, something you have to be careful with because there is always the risk of eco-fascism. But Um, I do think it is something that you can work with without getting to that point. That makes sense. Kind of on that, that same vein, that kind of to me sparks, you know, what people could do kind of if they don't feel like they have that community yet, but just kind of like having that change in in dialogue with people, you know, what does activism look like in this climate anxiety space? What can people do to, to feel more in control? Yeah. So the first thing um, I would suggest is trying really hard to find what community you can especially Mm. locally and in person, because I just don't think we have the technology to really form those bonds digitally yet, Mm -hmm. um, or at least not completely digitally. Um, So you can usually Google finding environmental groups in your area. 
Um, if there aren't any, I hate to say this, but you probably should start one. Um, <laughs> there are a lot of national or like statewide or even international organizations that if you want to start a local chapter, will provide you with a, 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 a certain amount of, you know, administrative res- uh, support and training and that kind of thing. So you don't have to start completely from scratch. Well, that's comforting. Um, so people don't have to feel like alone in this. They're, they could have some guidance. Exactly. Yeah. Um, one thing that I do find a little bit annoying about some national and um, international organizations, different ones are better and worse for this. Some of them, if you like sign up for their mailing list because you want to volunteer in your city, they do have this unfortunate tendency to just keep asking you for money instead, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, which is not awesome. So you may have to try a number of different groups. Um, but for most people, they'll already be something local. So I urge people to get involved in something like that and try and bring some friends and some family with you. Um, But also, I mean, talking about things is good for your brain and it's also good for overall mobilization. So it's, you know, talk about this with the people you care about, right? Mm-hmm. Don't start with the deniers. That's probably not good for anyone involved. I um, think that's really important, though, especially when you're starting with change. Sometimes we go to the hardest <laughs> people and then we get discouraged. So absolutely, I think that's so important. Yeah, if you're not already sort of maximizing the the usefulness and the involvement of uh, of the easy people, go for the easy people first. Um <laughs> Mm-hmm. Get some momentum going, you know? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Totally. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. And I think that, um, yeah, there is this, um, th- that activism is essentially part of taking care of yourself with this climate stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Tell us more um, about that. Well, because it gives you that sense of community, that sense of efficacy makes you feel like you're not alone in it. Um, and it does to some extent, at least improve, um, one's mental health in, in likelihood. It's, it's hard to do experiments on this exactly, but there do seem to be indications that it is good for your mental health to be involved in collective act, collective action specifically on climate change. There's Mm -hmm. less evidence that, individual action has the sort of same therapeutic effects. I'm not going to discourage anyone from taking it, but it's, it's not, it's not going to probably help your well-being as much. That's interesting. And so, and I can, I totally see that. And so what I hear with that is like, if you are feeling a tad bit more anxious about this or passionate and you're just like, oh, I'm not doing enough, you know, I'm composting, I'm, I'm recycling really take that next step and see if you can find community. And that really might help that sense of unrest Um, because it can be, again, isolating it. You know, we're not seeing the ocean get healthier overnight. This is a long-term thing. And so seeing others grow in their passion about, you know, the environment can give you that sense of, of change and that sense of like, ah, you know, like everyone's not out there, you know, polluting and littering. So I, I think exactly. that's so valuable. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. yeah. Um, and even just like specifically like events like protests can yeah. give that sense of energy. Right. Really? Um, yeah. No, there's some, there's some really interesting. So this isn't something that I've researched in a while. This is more like stuff I studied in undergrad, but I had this professor. Oh God. Why can't I remember his name? Oh God. This is embarrassing. Um, 
Um, anyway, he did a bunch of um, really interesting. Um, um, oh God, why can I not remember? This is terrible. <laughs> um, he did a lot of really interesting work on sort of crowds and groups. Mm -hmm. um, and there's a lot of sort of interesting stuff to suggest that yes, being in a crowd, being in a group is sort of like an altered state, but it's not like an altered state in the sort of bad, depriving you of your identity, depriving you of rationality type way that earlier researchers presented it. Um, it's more that like those spaces where people come together tends to be sort of where that sense of collective identity and that sense of what goals are, how we're going to reach them, you know, sort of momentum for movements is formed, right? Mm -hmm. um, which is one of the reasons why I'm like a huge fan of you need to get people together in person, at least mm -hmm. sometimes, right? Mm -hmm. um, even, even if like it's a group that mostly organizes online because of geography or resources or any of that kind of thing, like even just having a social event that can be really helpful because it, it builds trust and it builds connection in a way that really strengthens a movement. Absolutely. Like totally. Cause I'm an online girl myself. I love online and I had met some friends over the pandemic and when we met in person, I think it just shifted the whole dynamic. Like I feel like it really helped our group to just get more intimate and stronger and just not fizzle out as a lot of people did um, once, you know, back to work and life kind of resumed. So absolutely. Yeah. So definitely making that, you know, if your bond starts um, virtually, because again, like you may be in a place that's a little bit more isolated in terms of this issue, but seeing if you can bring that, that in person somewhere, you know, even if it's meeting one of the members to really keep that synergy. Yeah, exactly. Lovely. Oh my goodness. So I'm feeling excited and inspired. You've given us some alternatives to throwing tomato soup on uh, the portraits to, to activate climate change. If yeah, you although I'm not really entirely against that. I think they should make their messaging clearer, but I'm not really like I don't know. I don't I don't really want to condemn it, honestly. Very fair, very fair. We'll, we'll leave that one on the list. But if you, you know, you've told us a little bit, but if you had to, you know, if someone's out there and they're just like, okay, I, I got my base level uh, of, you know, I, I do stuff that's good for the environment, but I want to do more. What is like one or two things that, you know, that people can do outside of their house? Um whether it is with their neighbors on their street or within the city, you know, would anything come to mind as far as what's that next step if they're already on that first level? Well, I think a lot of the time it depends on where you are. I'm a huge fan of local organizing and involvement in local politics. Mm -hmm. um, so I would really say, you know, use Google, use community boards, use whatever you need, figure out what your local environmental group is if there is one and try and join it and then see what they need. Um, Cause they'll probably, they'll know what your local area needs a lot better than I will. Mm, that's a good, okay. That's a good advice, right? Absolutely. Yeah. And um, also the other one I was going to say is uh, like I said, unless you're like an oil exec, it's not your fault. 
Um, and it's all right to be angry. It's maybe even good to be angry. And yeah. it's also very good to be hopeful. Um, mm. And it's it's really about doing something with your emotions. Because I think that, I love that a lot of the time people sort of treat emotions as if they're bad, right? Yep. And as if they're like not good in overall society and in political movements. But like they really are the galvanizing force for action, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that that's, that's really important, right? Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Um, and then I was also going to say that, like, if you are at the point where, like, you cannot do your day to day activities because of how anxious you are about the climate, like, please do seek help and support and that kind of thing. Like, finding a therapist is not a bad idea um, mm -hmm. if you have the resources to do that. Um, if you don't have the resources to do that, try and talk to people who are not therapists, just people you care about, about mm -hmm. it. That's always a good idea. Um Unfortunately, some therapists are not like the most climate aware, um, mm -hmm. but a lot are, and you can try and find one who is, um, that can be really helpful for a lot of people. So like general self-care things are still worthy, right? Mm -hmm. It's not just going out there and engaging in activism, but I think that that is a really good part of it. And I want to urge people to like, not let their anxiety freeze them in place. I want them to be able to use that as something to galvanize them. No, 1000%. And, and I appreciate that reminder. You know, I think sometimes we, we look to want to change everything around us, but I appreciate that reminder to check in and say like, you know, remind yourself like, this isn't your fault, right? Like, you know, yeah. if you don't do everything perfectly, if your house isn't 100% electric and you don't, you know, you have that plastic, you know, straw or whatever. You, you know, live like, in a society. It's, it's not your fault you live in a society. Right. You know what I mean? Like, you got to so, try and change the society. It's really more valuable to try and change the society than it is to try and change yourself. Yeah. And so. That alone. <laughs> absolutely. And. And again, like sometimes it can feel, you know, activism in general can feel sometimes isolating. And so just appreciating that reminder to be kind to yourself, making sure that you're okay. And that's going to help you in this journey. Um, that anger can be a fire if we're channeling it the right way. And so again, thank you for that reminder of power of, you know, what we can do physically, but also to, to do that internal work and making sure that we're okay. Yeah. And also making sure that the other people, the other activists that you're working with are okay. Um, absolutely. No, yeah, absolutely. That that's really important, right? Like if you need to step down from something for your own well-being, please give the other people who will have to take that work up from you the maximum amount of notice. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, so it's, you know, you have to take care of yourself, but you also have to take care of the other people around you and and give each other the sense that you can rely on each other, I think is really important. So like, yes. I think it's, it's this idea, right, that like climate change isn't your fault. Mm -hmm. um, it is your responsibility, but it's a responsibility you share with everyone else on earth. Oh, I love that. That's a really good place to to pause. Oh, you know, thank it's you. A yeah, it's a, it's a responsibility that we share with others. Um, absolutely. Um, so listen, y'all, we're, we're not alone one day at a time. We'll get there. Thank you for the reminder that the oceans are getting cleaner. There is change happening. I'm not sure if that's universally true, but it was for Boston Harbor. <laughs>
I'm going to take it. Listen, it's a win. It's a win. It's a win, right? Yeah, it's a win. And sometimes we don't see those wins when we look outside of our window. And so, yeah. I listen, I appreciate it. Um, Abby, any last words? Where can people connect and find, you know, you? Where should they go next? Yeah. Um, so my YouTube channel is Political Psych with Abby. If you type that into YouTube, you should get it. That's my main thing. I also have Instagram and Reddit. And if you want to support the channel, I have a Patreon, but you can get every, most everything. There's a little bit of bonus content, but you get most everything for free um, over on the YouTube channel. <laughs> Very cool. I didn't know you had a Patreon. So listen, y'all go subscribe, get the bonus content. Um, Abby, again, this has been wonderful. Please come back anytime. Y'all go and stream her content and make sure that you're being well and being safe out there. Bye.